With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One of the things they teach you in this media business, especially in the realm of opinion, is to always sound authoritative and expert-like and definitive Take a strong stance. Well, I'm here today to take the most wishy-washy, I've-got-no-clue-whatsoever stance possible on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. comes your way every weekday, bright and early in the morning. If you're into... Football and or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins. The Pirates are almost done with spring training. Two more days of that, and they always finish up with the Minnesota Twins. That's been kind of a, I don't know if it's a tradition or just a scheduling convenience, but they'll face the Twins today in Bradenton, tomorrow down at their place in Fort Myers, and then they fly up to Chicago for the opener, which is Thursday afternoon at Wrigley Field against the Cubs. Pirates played yesterday and beat the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 2-1. to And most significant from that outcome was that Mitch Keller didn't get destroyed. This was a spring first, and it was at least moderately encouraging. Um, As ever, when Keller does well, it's very easy to find warts. Uh, In this case, he pitched three scoreless innings with one hit, which sounds really good. It's really not. He only struck out two guys, which is low for him, and he walked four. And he struggled with his fastball command in doing so. And there's really nowhere uh, to run or hide from that. He just has to be better. I'll at least give the Pirates a bit of a nod here for not thrusting him out there into the opener, which my understanding at the outset was going to be that he was going to line up to start opening day. Now he's very clearly going to be pushed pushed back, not out of the rotation uh, and not even into the rotation, but just pushed out of a possible starting slot for opening day. Now, one player who will be in the opening day lineup is a player that I had been willing to bet almost anything wouldn't be. That's Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier is not only still in Pittsburgh, but he's still Babe Ruth. Two for four again yesterday with a double. He's batting 550. Three. And with all due respect to 
Kevin Newman hitting seven billion. Actually, I want to say Newman is at three or at uh, seven forty one right now. <laughs> uh, Frazier has actually impressed me even more because Frazier's has come with some pop to it, especially of late. Uh, all of his hits uh, have been. You know, doubles or home runs somewhere to the gap. He's even stung a couple of outs out there. He's looking like he's figured something out, and maybe even possibly for the first time in his career, he can find a way to extend that and turn it into some consistency and not allow his slumps to get prolonged which is what's happened to him over and over and over again. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, slumps and streaks are they're way too influential, you know, because we all as humans have a tendency to recall the last significant thing that we saw and inflate it. That's just normal. But Frazier's still here. He's still here. And if he hasn't been traded yet... Through a month of doing this in Bradenton, then either the other 29 general managers in baseball, or at least the ones who could use a starting second baseman, have decided that there's nothing of worth being done by Frazier, or that they don't trust that he'll be able to cling to this for any significant period of time or or I'm going to float this one today what if the pirates just want to keep him what if think about this for a second remember when spring started and both Ben Charrington and Derek Shelton said that they have all these middle infielders and they're going to Gang them up on shortstop. There was going to be a three-man competition for shortstop between Newman, Eric Gonzalez, and Cole Tucker, which, as I called out at the time, there was no way that was even feasible. And I felt from the very beginning that this was Newman's job to lose, and, of course, Newman hits 700 and change. Although Gonzalez is also over 400, so it's not like Gonzalez lost anything. But the one thing that did change here, the one thing about this whole scenario that changed, wasn't Newman, wasn't Gonzalez, and it wasn't Frazier. It's that Tucker didn't rise up. He just didn't. He hit 200 and then was reassigned almost disturbingly early in camp for a guy who spent the amount of time in the majors that he has. And within that, he just didn't hit the ball hard. He wasn't making solid contact. He wasn't stinging it. If there are answers that have been uncovered as to why he doesn't hit at the major league level, I wasn't seeing them. I mean, you can look at him look at him physically and say this is not ever going to be someone who hits with any kind of pop I mean he'll run into one occasionally 
And he'll drive a ball somewhere and, and run like crazy and come up with extra bases. But he's not going to get a free pass to first base. You know, his patience at the plate isn't all that great either, so he's not going to get walks. He's not working counts deep. He's not. He's got to hit the ball, and he hasn't hit the ball. And as much as you love the kid, and it's impossible not to, the Pirates had no choice, no choice, but to demote him to open the season and hope that beginning with the satellite camp and then continuing into Indianapolis's season once that starts in May, that he'll unlock something. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't see it. There are players who are built like him who can hit. So I don't mean to rule out that you, know, that you don't have to walk up there looking like a tank to be able to hit with some pop. I mean, the, the, the best example of that by far is Christian Yelich. You look at Yelich. Yelich actually looks like he's even more slight <laughs> than Tucker is. Yelich just happens to, you know, have the swing, have the poise, knows how to wait for his pitches that he believes he can drive, and then he rips into them. We haven't seen that from Tucker yet. And as such, as such, what that makes me wonder here, and this is nothing other than speculation on my part. I'm not talking about this as if there's some sort of firm information, but that makes me wonder if the uh, Pirates haven't just decided to hang on to Frazier. You know, I mean, Frazier's not old. Frazier's 28. Frazier's not that deep into his service time that he's any kind of threat to leave soon. He's got another three years of control. You know, this is a player that you can you can keep and have be a consistent part of this. In addition to his bat, if it continues to play, he's comfortable at the top of the lineup. Not everybody is. He's also a two-time Gold Glove finalist. Not everybody is. He's got a compact swing that you would think would lead to not being in the kind of slumps that he is, so it's always felt correctable. And that's not the case with everybody either. He's a good baseball player. And the fact is, there's no rule that says... Well, you're building a team with prospects, so you absolutely have to get rid of everybody of worth and bring back any prospect at all. There isn't. If you look at Charrington's trades since he took over, the one deal to me that felt like he just felt obligated to move the guy and get whatever he can was Josh Bell. And, and we'll see how that turns out. I was always underwhelmed by the return on Bell. Simultaneously, I was overwhelmed by the return on both Joe Musgrove and Jamison Tyone. I just think that there's, there's not a need to move Frazier if the prospect return is something where you just go, whatever. I mean, I can either get this completely iffy thing or somebody's, I don't know, top 25 prospect, meaning like the actual number 25. Or I could have a really good baseball player around for another couple of years. 
you know, and then maybe see if there's a chance to, to move him again then. I don't, I'm just, I, again, I'm winging it here. I told you at the beginning here, I did not know anything about this. I'm being clean with you. But I do think it's something that's worth considering. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question, and that's always brought to you on this program by the good people at the North Shore Tavern. Right there on Federal Street, across from PNC Park, the side with the Willie Stargell statue. North Shore Tavern is the home of Steak on a Stone, which is as much a delicacy as it is an experience. The steak is served to you, not done on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. You get that thing exactly the way you want it because, you know, you're the one doing it. (laughs) It's also the only pirate sports bar, full-time dedicated pirate sports bar, anywhere on the planet, at least as far as I've been able to figure out. Go check them out down on Federal Street, North Shore Tavern. Today's question comes from Charlie Morton's dog, which would be that much more entertaining if it actually were coming from Charlie's dog. What is your take on the possible infield defense reforms being floated around Major League Baseball? Personally, I think that making a team have two fielders on either side of second base or all infielders have at least one foot on the dirt would do much more for the entertainment value of the game than a pitch clock or a universal DH ever would. I I don't know what's the need to pick and choose I'd I'd be in favor of everything that you just mentioned there. Speed up the game, put the ball in play, put hitters in there instead of pitchers hitting, and go at it. You know, make the game better. It's not like baseball's problems are small. They're massive. They're overwhelming right now. The data on this, whether it's, Ratings, attendance, general fan surveys, they're devastating toward baseball. Look, even if you're passionate about baseball as it's currently played, and I don't hear from those people very often, to say the least, accept that perception can be reality. Perception is reality when it comes to businesses. And Major League Baseball's got a broken product. It just does. I'm completely fine with banning the shift. I think it'll be really, really hard to do. You should tell me which umpire is going to be watching for feet on the dirt. Or even something as simple as, you know, who's lined up behind second base and by how many inches might he be across the mythical line down the middle of the field. How are you going to do that with... One umpire watching, obviously, for balls and strikes. Another one watching for balk. Another one watching for this or that or tag-ups. Now you're going to police the shift as well? I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but I'll bet it's wrong as often as it's right. I think that'll be a challenge. 
But getting rid of it, yeah, I want to see a ball get through the hole. I don't want to see it get picked up, and I don't care which team it is. It's boring. I want to see people on base. And as for the DH, I mean, obviously a born and raised Pittsburgher, so I've only really known the original brand of baseball. And I always felt this reflex to say, oh, yeah, I hate the DH, I hate the DH. And then every time I watched a game with a DH in it, I thought, wow, it's really cool that the pitcher's not hitting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you can just cling to a stance just because it's, you know, A, whatever everybody around you is saying, or uh, or B, whatever feels reflexive based on something that you thought a long, long time ago. I'd have no problem with that. Pitch clock, to me, is a no-brainer. Same thing with limiting mound visits. The Pirates won Game 7 of the 1960 World Series in two hours. You know what the score was of that game? 10-9. to nine. game was played in two hours. And when you watch it, and I've watched it in full, when you do that, yeah, the length of you know the commercials and broadcasts obviously has an impact. That's going to add, oof, I've seen studies on this, and I'm sure there are exact numbers, but I'm winging it here. That's going to add like 12 to 15 minutes to a game. Just the amount of time that gets committed to, to advertisers and sponsors on broadcasts. But where does the rest come from? You know where? It's time between pitches. That's it. There was a rhythm to baseball up until like around 1980 or so when it really started to go downhill. It was seen as part of the position. Get the ball back from the catcher, get set, throw it right back. Watch one of these sometimes. They have uh, complete collections. Uh, I have one here actually at our studio. Uh, complete Games of all seven games from the 1960 World Series, all seven games of the Pirates from 1971, and all seven from 1979. And yeah, that's right. If you think the Pirates always did it the hard way in winning their World Series, that's exactly right. They also needed seven games in 1925. This is, uh, this is to me, this is the ultimate easy call. And there's a reason they're putting it in. They're putting it in in the lower uh, lower levels. They have it in. Uh, first, they started off with, like, the independent leagues, and then it started working its way up the minors. Just go for it. Go for it. What is the pitcher's excuse for wanting to take longer than what a pitch clock allows when the pitch clock allows for, like, three times longer than what used to be the norm? What are you doing? Look, if, if you get a, you know, one of those Cleveland mayflies, you know, goes up your nose, call timeout. But otherwise, get the ball and throw it right back. You know, I, I, I don't have a problem with any of these things. I really don't. The game is broken. And notice that I didn't even mention the economic facet of it being broken. Baseball's in bad, bad shape, and it needs, it needs drastic change thanks for the question though mr charlie dog thanks to everybody for listening and we'll do another one of these daily shot of pirates thingies tomorrow
University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.